All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo, in the house, episode 235. This is the show where young salespeople come to learn how to sell more, make more money, be more fulfilled. I think I am a strong believer that sales can change your life for the better. Uh, and I'm on a path to help change as many people's lives through this world as possible. So thanks for joining me. We got some great content for you today. Before we get to it, let's give some love to the sponsors. We got two of them for this show. Number one is gong.io. I can't say anything other than that gong has changed my life in a lot of ways. It's the best sales invention in the history of time, maybe since the notebook and the pen, whenever people invented that <laughs> to take notes, but it's a revenue intelligence platform. Uh, it is the number one tool in the market. We've gotten tremendous funding. We've gotten tremendous customers. It's, it's, it'll blow your socks off if you haven't seen it. It's uh, every salesperson that I talk to, and I talk to probably conservatively dozens, uh, at least on LinkedIn and email and call every single week. Everyone raves about it. People DM me all the time saying how much they love the product, which makes it a lot easier to sell when it's so good. So uh, you can check them out. Check us out at gong.io or just message me on LinkedIn. I'll shoot you uh, a note. I'll, I'll get you in touch with the right person and we'll start a conversation if you're interested. Um, the other sponsor that we want to give a great shout out to is postal.io. Uh, postal helps you to customize the packages and gifts that you send to customers or partners or prospects. It, uh, you know, There's a world where everyone's sending kind of these mass things out there and their shitty swag that's like a really you know, poor fitting t-shirt or something. Postal helps you to customize it. It could be from a local florist or from the brewery across town. Um, helps you to really personalize that and create a great experience with your customer. Um, they're doing a special thing. Anyone that reviews this podcast on Apple, uh, if you send that to me on LinkedIn, I will get you a free Starbucks gift card. So you can get a iced Americano or green tea or whatever it is that you want to drink or eat there. Uh, it's a pretty cool deal. It's like two minutes and then you get you know free Starbucks gift card. Um, so please show some love to gong.io and postal.io. Please support these sponsors. I love these guys uh, and you will too. One last note before the guest. Um, if you'd like to show some love on this show and to me, I put in a lot of hours into building the brand and to building this content every week. And uh, the, the least you could do is show me some love. So subscribe here, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, subscribe to all of them. Um, leave a review on Apple. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Tommy Tahoe. And uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. And I'd love to chat with you and hear what you think of the show. Um, let's get to today's conversation. I'm talking with uh, Megan Mishak. Uh, she's the founder of the Path to Presidents Club. Uh, she's a sales strategist for B2B sales teams. Uh, formerly, she was in sales and leadership positions at Movable Inc., NewsCred, Dominion Payroll Services, and NetChecks. Um, I love Megan's attitude, and I love that she talks about, you know, President's Club, for those that maybe aren't familiar, is essentially the reward that you get at the end of the year for hitting your quota as a salesperson. And... Um, so your presence club is probably in, you know, it's usually in the Bahamas or Mexico or somewhere cool. And you go and you go for a few days, if you hit your quota or you hit a certain goal and you partied up with the sales team and she likes to think it's a state of mind and it's all mental of how you're going to get there. And, um, so we talk about that. We talk about the early days of her sales career, the struggles, the successes, uh, starting her own venture, uh, which just happened to be during the pandemic and how challenging that was and, and very fruitful as well. Um, we also talk about what it means to shorten the path to get to President's Club and just how do we get there, right? That's like the pinnacle of success is getting to President's Club year after year. That's where you make money. That's where you get promoted. That's where all these good things start to happen. So uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with Megan. Without further ado, let's get straight into it. Let's go. All right, Megan Mishak. Good morning. Welcome to Millennial Sales. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I like the, uh, you got a little bit of like a tropical background going on. 
Yeah. So my company is called the Path to Presidents Club. Uh-huh. And so all of my branding is really trying to embody this tropical vacation paradise that a lot of salespeople are, are trying to achieve. So when you think of President's Club, you probably think of like on a beach somewhere, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. So for anyone who has ever done, done a Zoom with me, um, you see I have this really bright tropical palm background, trying to keep it top of mind for every person I talk to. I love it. A little bit of like visualization going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to have this conversation. We've got, we've got a lot that I wanted to cover. Um, I love to start with just kind of like the Genesis story of, of how people get into sales. And uh, it seems like you've got an interesting one. Um, if I did my research correctly, uh, it, you started selling bathing suits uh, to women in, when you were in high school. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know how I got into this. I worked, uh, lived in a small beach town in Florida, St. Augustine, and it was an easy job. I think I probably wanted a discount on bathing suits because they're so (laughs) expensive. And I fell into retail. And I remember most people, it was just a part-time job. I mean, people used to literally sleep, take naps in the uh, surfboard bags. But for me, I was always trying to figure out what worked, whether it was making displays or um, giving recommendations for bathing suits. And it, it really taught me so much about a needs assessment because women only have a certain threshold for how many bathing suits they will try on and, you know, feel like it won't look good until they're really upset. So mm. it's a great way to make sure that you're solutioning very quickly and limiting the options you give them. So it's funny because I was always looking for patterns, how to be better at my job. Um, I didn't think that it would start this you know, lifelong, what I think will probably be a lifelong career. Um, it was just a high school job. But even when I went into college, I um, jumped into leasing. I was leasing apartments. Um, I got very competitive, of course, because I got commission as well. I got my first taste of commission checks and bonuses. And when I graduated from college, I was wondering what I was going to do with a sociology degree, was not going to become a sociologist. So I stuck to what I knew and I I got another commission-only position. So what about sales did you enjoy, uh, whether it was from the bathing suit days or, or, uh, leasing apartments in college? Was it like that competitive aspect? Was it solving a problem or maybe it was making money like in college when you're trying to like scrap two pennies together? What, what was it? So I think it's so funny when people say that people are in sales for money, um, especially from the outside looking in, because for me, the first few years, I mean, the first five years in sales, I was making nothing. I'm like, I don't know who is just jumping into sales and making money immediately, but it was not me. (laughs) I mean, I had my, um, my first job out of college, I had to pay back my first three paychecks. You know, they, they paid me a draw and I only got paid commission. If the person selected an apartment I had recommended for them and then put my name on the lease application Mm. instead of friends that lived in the complex, which happened very often. And so for me, um, it was even a matter of survival in some ways. It was sticking to what I knew, but what I really loved about sales was the strategy. And I didn't know that I w- it was a strategy, but for me, it was constantly figuring out how can I do my job better, easier, faster, and just seeing the patterns for, for what worked for people. And maybe it's also just because I'm lazy. I think that, you know, it's kind of a funny millennial trait, right? I'm a millennial myself where people are like, oh, millennials are so lazy. I'm like, yeah, because I grew up with technology and I know that this should probably be a lot easier. And so for me, it was constantly looking for patterns, for tools, for systems, and even just like cut shaving off a few minutes or a few hours of work. Um, That's really what I, I loved about sales as a whole and what I was constantly working on on top of just closing deals was building systems, finding systems and talking to people who were doing it better than I was. Well, that kind of brings up the age old, like, you know, work hard, work smart type of thing too. Like uh, people always think like, if you just work the most hours, you're going to do the best. And like, 
I, in my opinion, you're not going to find someone that is successful that doesn't work hard. But I think to not to, to rid yourself of like the processes to make it easy, like you want to do as well as you want to get the best result from the least amount of effort. And that's, in my opinion, that's not being lazy. That's just like, that's just being efficient. That's why, you know, certain workouts are better than others or certain foods are better than others for you or, you know, certain systems like, you know, you're probably not going through the yellow pages right now if you're a BDR, right? Like you're using something like Zoom Info, you know, because they have the numbers and the contact info right there. You're using Sales Navigator. So um, I think the systems and, and learning how to create those for yourself are, are super important. Yeah. And it was interesting for me. I remember really my first two SaaS roles, I noticed a startling trend because I was young, hungry, and again, wanted to be as successful as possible as quickly as possible. Very impatient. <laughs> don't, we, don't we all? <laughs> right? And if, honestly, if, if you're not, then teach me patience, please. Yeah. Um, but for me, I always talk to the top performers and I just had a set of questions. I asked them, I'm like, how did you get where you are? What do you do? What are your tips? What are your specialties? Like, teach me everything. And one thing that I noticed though, is that the people, a lot of people had just been doing it for so long and they didn't have an awareness of what was working or why it worked. They're like, I don't know. I just do this and it's been working. And for me, that wasn't enough. I was like, wait, you don't know why you're successful. And so I kind of looked at this, this standard of success and I was like, I don't want to wait 10 years to figure it out and perhaps sink or swim. I want, there has to be a better way. I want to figure yep. out what I can do now so that I don't have to wait 10 years to be successful in sales. I can be successful in one year by just being a little bit more aware of what are the best practices that people are demonstrating and how can I figure out what's working, what's not working um, in a much easier and faster way. Yeah. And you, I've seen you post before, you know, asking the question on LinkedIn, like, are great salespeople born or are they grown? Um, and I'm curious from your take, like for you personally, like think back to the high school, college days when you were just like just starting and you probably didn't know a lot of the tactics and a lot of the fundamentals and things like that. Like, were you a natural or um, was there were there certain kind of uh, revelations that you had that made you into a successful salesperson? I'm so glad you asked this question because it's one of the most important ones. And I think a lot of people see people who they know that are salespeople. And a lot of times it's, it's a common profile. Yeah. Um, for me to answer your question very directly, I was not a natural. The first few years in, in sales, I, I overthought things constantly. I, um, I had so much imposter syndrome. I would second guess myself. I was much more technical, I think, than I needed to be. I wanted to know the ins and outs of things. And at the same time, I was also going into an industry. I worked in payroll and HR SaaS, where you have to know tax legislation. I didn't know anything. And I was partnering with benefits brokers who had been in the business longer than I had been alive. And so for me, I wasn't a natural seller. I definitely didn't know what the heck I was doing in payroll and HR. But I, what I did have was a few really important characteristics. And this is how I approach both hiring as well as training. Um, and I think that it's interesting that you ask that, you know, is it, are sellers, good sellers born or are they bred? And I think it's kind of both because let's be real. We do know some sellers who just step into the role and are naturals. I know several, I've worked with several and it's interesting because I think for those people, they succeed very quickly, but sometimes they even have a harder time when new things are introduced new strategies, new methodologies, perhaps when they get to a point in their career, when they don't know what, you know, what, why, what they've been doing and basically doing successfully for the last few years, isn't working anymore. So yeah. they struggle a little bit more to pivot. Whereas I think sometimes when we think about, especially um, women and minorities in sales who may not feel like that natural standard salesperson, um, they have so much resilience. 
And I think these people, what they do have is usually um, an innate curiosity. They have to be open to learning. They're trying, they're constantly trying to learn new things, develop new strategies. They're willing to try new things and make themselves uncomfortable. They also have to have grit. Um, Sometimes the people who, when it takes them twice as long to do something to figure it out, they're willing to put in the work. And that actually makes them so incredible when it comes to their work ethic. And I think that um, there's another one, uh, not just being curious, but um, I'm not sure if you've read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, The New Psychology of Success. Oh, it don't even get me everything. started on Carol. Dweck. Don't even get I me started. I know this book is one of my favorites, and it's honestly one of the books that just changed my views on coaching and training, hmm. because this book covers the fact like it covers that there's two mindsets, and it's not that one person has one mindset and another has another. A lot of times we embody both of these mindsets, but it's fixed and and a growth mindset. And I think the best sellers that I've worked with, not only in the short term, so, you know, there's natural sellers who perform very quickly, but long-term success in sales does require hard work, curiosity, but also that growth mindset. You need to be super vulnerable in terms of, you know, self-assessing your strengths, your weaknesses, what you need to work on, and, you know, of course, be willing to put in the hours to improve and also have that natural curiosity because I don't know about you, but for me, I have never just been given all of the answers. I had to be curious and go out there and, and find them myself. Totally. And, and like, just to be real for a second here, like that book, if you haven't read that book, whatever you're, you're reading now, throw it in the trash and read that book because <laughs> that book is probably better than whatever you're reading. And for me, I mean, it was helpful from a sales context and from a career context, but it applies to literally everything in your life. It applies to your health. It applies to your relationships, you know, whether that's a romantic one or with your family or with your friends, uh, you know, your own like psychology and your habit, literally everything. So um, you might hear that and you kind of hear the, the term growth mindset get tossed around. And for me, at, at the point w- in which I read that book, I felt like I had a pretty good growth mindset in sales, but I did not have one in like relationships, you know, for example. So like that book is freaking amazing. Um, and so I just had to underscore that for anyone that's listening and likes this type of content, but hasn't checked that book out. It's, it's mandatory. It should be mandatory reading in high school for people, I think. I uh, imagine if it were, imagine yeah. like what... <laughs> Whew, we would have such an incredible workforce coming into the world. And that it's such an incredible advice because yeah, for me, for thinking about anyone, no matter, it's just like, if you have not read this book, homework, read this book. That's <laughs> it's as simple as that. Because I think a lot of times, even if, um, to your point, even if you feel like you are open and curious for me, I was curious, but I actually had a big issue with feedback. Mm. I, would get, I was just like so insecure about sales and I was trying so hard and I would get so frustrated anytime I got negative feedback. And so the growth mindset book not only helped me work with other people who um, had a very different mindset because especially for sales leaders or anyone who has to work with other people where we all know those, that conversations around conflict are just tricky. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to how your mindset, like how both of you are approaching the conversation. And so this book is really valuable. I think for anyone in sales who is trying to figure out how they can to get to the next level, um, it just requires so much vulnerability, I think. And that's one thing that isn't talked about in sales, because I think we, instead of preaching vulnerability and preaching a growth mindset, we we raise, we kind of like raise up things like competition on an altar. And that's not mm-hmm. collaborative. It's not a growth mindset. Competition is basically saying I'm the best and I need to be the best and I need to be cutthroat sometimes at the expense of others. But it's interesting because I see a lot of millennials not necessarily buying into that. Yep. They want more collaboration. They want, they're very curious. They want to learn. They want to grow. 
They, they're asking for more feedback from their managers. They're not asking for more competition and silly gift cards. Um, that's not what drives them. Even if, I mean, they're like, I'll take the gift card. I'll take the yeah. money. Yeah. Right. That's also funny. Cause people are like, well, they're driven by money. They take the money. I'm like, okay, listen, someone's offering money for right. success. Like I will take it for sure. But when I talk to salespeople behind the scenes, I think that they are really hungry for something different. Yeah. And I think another piece of that, and we, we chatted about this a little bit uh, before recording is I think millennials in general want to have a lot of meaning, fulfillment, purpose, perhaps more than other generations uh, prior. And I think that relates to one, the things that you buy, you know, like for example, you know, yesterday I was wearing Bomba's socks and I think they're cool and they donate a pair of socks to homeless people every time that you buy a pair. So, you know, that's a free ad for them. Um, I think they're cool, but it's also like the company that you work for having the right values, uh, your job feeling that you're actually helping people versus just like, you know, slinging whatever product it is and, and trying to make money. I think that is super, um, you know, super important to a lot of people, definitely to me. So I'm curious what your take is on that and, and finding kind of more meaning and fulfillment from a sales role. Yeah. So I'm currently working on a blog post for, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the podcast, the other side of sales really focus on diversity, Mm -hmm. um, equity and inclusion in sales. And, um, this blog post covers what people are looking for in a new sales role and quick hint, there's no one mentioned compensation. Compensation Mm -hmm. is like the basic, right? It's like, of course, if, if, if compensation, it needs to be fair and equitable, but for them, what they mentioned was actually more around trust and the values of the organization. How do those values align with their values as an individual, even the product they mentioned, I'm hearing a lot more people. I mean, even since when I started in sales that are looking for a product that aligns with something they're passionate about or interested in. And I think it's interesting because they're also knowing that um, their manager is really important in the decision. Um, I am also talking to more people that don't consider the company they work for to be a forever role. And so it's putting a lot more pressure on companies not to just recruit great salespeople, but keep them happy and keep them motivated. And I see so much frustration when people, salespeople, especially millennials leave after a few years. And it's kind of interesting to me because on the inside, I'm like, we, we spend so much time on training around new products on, um, you know, recruiting efforts, even on just like cultural elements. But mm-hmm. one huge thing that I see that's missing is really that coaching element in sales and not even coaching from a, these are your strengths. These are your weaknesses. Let's fill these with training, but truly the leadership versus just managing the numbers. I think that's what a lot of people are craving these days. Millennials, especially they want to align with the company align to uh, the values and the mission, but they also want to learn and grow and, and truly you know, receive as much as um, they're giving to an organization. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I completely agree with that. And when you have kind of your priorities of where you're going for a job, you know, compensation to your point, it's not unimportant. Like if people say it's not about the money at all, I, I don't believe that because it makes a difference if you're going to get paid, you know, 50 grand versus a hundred grand, like that's a pretty big consideration to make for, you know, your lifestyle and, and, financial goals and things like that. But I think there's other priorities that when I talk to other, uh, other young sellers, it's, you know, wanting to get better. It's wanting to grow. It's wanting to, like, for me, when I was looking at a new company last year, it was, there was so much going on around, um, you know, the George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. It was like all in that time period, uh, whenever that was in the summer, the spring or summer. And I literally looked at, I made a spreadsheet of these companies I'm going after. And I looked at each one and and I went on their Twitters and the ones that acted like nothing was going on, I'm like, I don't know, like that, that doesn't feel great to me. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of like a gray area to really try to like 
identify what, what company fits your values. But to me, that was important. And like, if you're going to act like nothing was going on and you weren't going to say anything about what was going on, then maybe that you're just treating as business as usual. And that's not really where I want to be. So I think everyone's got different priorities in that standpoint. But um, if you do feel strongly about, you know, DEI initiatives or, you know, women in sales or um, in that case, you know, Black Lives Matter, whatever, whatever it is, like if, if, if your values are not in line with the leadership, then you're going to have a short stint there anyway. You're not going to enjoy it or you're not going to fit in or, or be as successful as you could be. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting about that is that a lot of sellers are never asked about their goals, what motivates them, what they, what their personal values are. Just shut so, up and sell. <laughs> yeah. But also like most people that I talk to, most sales, they, salespeople, they have a general idea of these things. But one of the easiest ways that I work with them, um, any mentor that I work with, I actually ask them to fill out a quick, I call it a career coaching and development plan. And it's a simple slide, but it's funny because people, when they, they review it, it, it has a few questions. Um, I actually have it linked on my LinkedIn for anyone who wants to fill it out themselves. But I mean, it starts with the, your personal mission statement. What are you working towards? And a lot of people, they're like, well, I, I know I'm like, I want I need to hit my quota. I'm like, no, 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 no. What is actually important to you? Because I know that just hitting a quota assigned to you by the company is not it. Yep. Right. So like, what are your values? Who are you as a person? What are your preferences and your passions? Um, also, what are you, some of your current and consistent challenges? What are those blockers that may be holding you back in your career? I mean, I have a laundry list of them, right? Yeah. Um, yes. And, and of course, I work with them on the goals for this quarter, next quarter for the year. But one thing that a lot of people don't ask them is their personal goals and their stretch goals. And when I ask sellers these questions, Yes, sometimes it is money, but I get the, the story behind the money. So one seller asked me, hey, I, know, I don't know if this is appropriate to tell you, but um, I'm, I, I would like to propose to my girlfriend in the next year and I'm saving up for a ring. And that's really motivating to me. Um, is it, can I write that on the sheet? I'm like, of course, like this is the thing, like I want you to print out, well, maybe not print out. I don't want her to, you know, not be surprised, but like, I want you to have this goal constantly top of mind. And I think that those are the things that a lot of managers don't ask. And ironically, I think when it, when it comes to getting your team to go beyond hitting the number, when it get it, when it, we think as sales leaders, how can I get my sales reps to not only hit 100%, but to hit 250%. It's not having a goal that it's hit the number. It is getting them to list those aspirational, inspirational, crazy stretch goals that they haven't even admitted to anyone, but they're actually, they're actively working towards and really aligning with them on that. And if you're a seller that doesn't have a manager like that, or that has never, you know, had a manager ask you those questions, I also think there's a benefit to filling this out and managing up. Mm right? Like we don't, we don't always have to rely on having the best sales manager in the world. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think I've ever had a, um, a manager that's asked me these questions. I've, I've simply have written it down and told them my goals. Yeah. You know, I think it's just like, it's important to, to not wait for things to, um, wait for the perfect manager. who's going to motivate you in this way. I think millennials, we have this, um, we, we need to actually start advocating for what we need, especially as our generation gets more into the levels of leadership and that transition is happening because we need things that are very different than other generations. And we need to simply start asking for what we need. Absolutely. Can I ask permission to put you on the hot seat for a second? Ooh, that's a scary question, but of course. It kind of like, you can't say no to that, you know, like while you're on a podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, all right. So you, you talked about the sheet and, and mission statement. Do you have a mission statement yourself? That's like dialed in. Yeah. So I actually have listed both my, I got to pull it up my mission statement and my goals. And um, my mission statement is actually pretty easy. It's the name of my company, mm -hmm. the path to president's club. For me, it was the first year, I think it was my 
third sales role. And it was the, um, the first year that I actually was invested in, in terms of training. The first year I went to Sandler sales training, um, I hit president's club my first year in a new sales role. And it was just so incredibly meaningful for me to see what training and investment actually looked like. And that was just the jumping off point for me. And so for me, I built my company to help sellers like me who maybe weren't, they're not doing as well as they want to be doing. They don't feel invested in, they're, they're struggling. They're even asking the question, do I even belong in sales? Yeah. Do I even have a, an, a career path in this or should I just give up now and, and try something new? So for me, my mission statement is helping other people get to President's Club, those same people who were in the situation that I was in, um, giving them the tools, the resources, the support that I never had um, until I, I did, you know, finally have that manager. But for people who don't have that manager, I want to be that manager. I want to be that resource to them and help them achieve their own president's club, whether it's a trip or buying their, their um, soon-to-be fiance a ring or whatever else motivates them. So my mission statement is getting as many salespeople to president's club as I can. Mm, I love that. And I think I've seen you write that president's club is a state of mind. I'd love for you to unpack that for me. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, a lot of times sales leaders, we, we do operate under the notion that salespeople are coin operated, right? Yeah. We, we place all these compensation plans and monetary goals and we're like, yeah, they're motivated. They're working towards their number or we have these spiffs for them. I know they want to buy a house or whatever, but for me, the people who go to President's Club, they are motivated by that. And it's not that they get this big bonus, like, and no offense, they, they don't care that much about going on vacation with their bosses, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> like, oh, wow, I've worked so hard all year. I get to go to Aruba with, you know, the person that I talk to, you know, every single day and like, you know, makes my quota. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, while it is, um, you know, an exciting incentive, it's actually not the trip. It's more about mastery and meaning in their role. It is the penultimate, um, usually the, the amount of success like that they, that they want. It's, it's award recognition, a recognition validation, and mm -hmm. so for me, Presence Club, even if you don't have a trip, for me, my, my first year, we did have President's Club. It was the first year I, I didn't even know it was really happening, but I even created another competition just in case I didn't hit President's Club, which was a uh, rookie of the year. There was no, there wasn't even like a trophy or, you know, $30 trophy or, or a monetary reward. It was simply putting it on my LinkedIn and putting it on my resume. And I was so proud of it. And so for me, President's Club doesn't have to be a trip. For most people, it isn't. It is for the salespeople who work hard. They want to um, learn. They are super curious. They have that growth mindset. And it's really just about um, hitting the level of mastery and always trying to be better. You know what it was for me? I worked at a company for about five, the first five years of my career until last year when I, I had left. And it was all in person back then. And it was, we, we'd have, you know, sales kick off in January. They'd announce everyone. And you'd go up to the front. It'd be the SVP of sales and the CEO. You go up and you go and you shake their hands. They'd give you this little piece of paper or bag or something like that. That was like, if you made Presence Club, they called your name out. Your face was on the screen for a second. You went up, you shook their hand. And like that, as silly as that is, that was almost more fun than the four days in Miami or wherever we went, you know? Um, it was just like that feeling that you get inside. It's like, man, I, you know, I busted my ass last year and like, I'm so happy that I made it and I'm proud of myself. Yeah. And I think it's, it, I mean, another book that is so valuable is the book Drive. Mm. Um, it covers motivation. That? Oh, I did sorry. <laughs> I didn't um, mean to quiz you. I just feel like I've heard that before, but I can't 
quite put I, my I was, on it. I was thinking, of course, it's Daniel Pink. I just finished another okay. book of his as well. Um, yeah, so drive covers levels of motivation. And one thing I, I think it, it, a lot of people don't actually know um, what drives them. And so thinking about both managing up as well as if you're a sales leader managing your team, most people are not purely motivated by money. And so, I mean, step one is figuring out what motivates you. And Tom, it sounds like for you, it's award and recognition and, you know, seeing your name in lights. And of course the money is always a nice incentive, but it's it's not necessarily the only thing. You're not like counting your stacks of money, like, um, like Donald Duck, like, sitting in this room with, yeah. with counting the numbers, right? Most of the time you're, you might be looking at the leaderboard and you're looking at your personal goals and you're working, you know, putting in the hours because you want a certain thing. And so for sellers, think about what does motivate you have a healthy blend of both intrinsic motivation, which is the things that even if it, what is for you, what personally motivates you? Um, and think also about external motivation. What would happen? Is it your, what would, could your manager give you that would be really meaningful? Even if it is a trip, it, if it, is it a ceremony? Is it a trophy? Even just asking for what you want and making that known is a great way to find more meaning for yourself and not rely on other people to, you know, give it to you. And so for managers, it's, it's also, of course, knowing that people are motivated by different ways. And one of the easiest ways to figure that out is simply to ask. Um, every new hire that I bring into an organization answers a what's called a personal goals worksheet. And it asks them, I think there's maybe 10, 15 questions. It's really easy, very quick. And one of them is what motivates you? What types of incentives would you like to receive? to show you that you've done a good job. And the answers are really surprising. These are questions every manager should be asking, no? Yeah, it's really easy. And even having it on file and going back to it when, let's say um, a lot of times when we would go back to it is when someone's performance is lagging and we're like, what is going on here? How can we motivate this person? And I can give you an example. One, One time we had this woman in a role And she was just going through a rut, couldn't get out of it. So the manager asked me for my help in motivating her. We went to her personal goals worksheet and we had actually over the last quarter tested um, some some healthy competition between her and one of her peers who was in a very similar role and um, had started at the same time. And we were kind of pitting them against each other in a, a fun, friendly level of competition. But when we looked at her personal goals worksheet, we actually saw that she didn't want competition. She wanted collaboration. So instead we actually pivoted to establishing her as a mentor for one of the BDRs and another seller on the team. And within a quarter, she had done everything she needed to do. She was in a much healthier state. She was also finding a lot more meaning and motivation in their role. So asking the question is so easy and it actually gives you the information you need to motivate not only yourself, but also other people. I love that. I love that. I got to ask, um, you've been doing path to presidents club for, I think a little under a year now, like how, how has the, or maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm wrong on the timeline, only but how six has that months. been? Six months. Oh, yeah. How's that been? So talking about a growth mindset, um, (laughs) if you're ever bored in a full-time role and you're like, you know, I would just love an emotional roller coaster, um, become an entrepreneur. It's, it's basically like staring your weaknesses in the mirror every single day. Um, but it, I think the first few months, it was so incredibly busy. Um, I was honestly really scared. And it has slowed down a little bit, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but yeah, it, it is such a wild journey. And I wouldn't have it any other way as someone who is very hungry for growth and development myself. So yeah, it's, it's such a blessing. And again, it helps me with my personal mission statement. So I wouldn't have it any other way. That's great. Um, uh, 
what a few more questions for you. You mentioned uh, mindset. You mentioned drive. Any other um, books or podcasts or people you follow? Any any other things when you're talking when you're thinking about your your learning and development that's been either beneficial to you or that you've been binging recently or that you uh, you know recommend to others? Anything that comes to mind? Yeah. So. I, I'm actually pulling up my my book list. Okay. Um, I am crazy with reading. I actually start my day every single morning with um, audiobooks. Ooh. So even if I don't get to it, even if I work until 2 a.m. like I did last night, um, I can make sure, ugh, horrible. I can make sure <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I, I start my day with some learning. Um, but one thing that I... I think it's really like, it depends on what you you're looking for. But, um, one thing that one book I've really loved in the last year was, um, oh gosh, there's so many. And it doesn't have to be sales. Any topics, fair game. Yeah. I am going to recommend an oldie, but a goodie. Um, have you read the book think and grow rich? Megan, I'm, I'm not kidding right now. I'm not, I'm seriously not. (laughs) Between mindset and think and grow rich, those were the two books. Think and Grow Rich was the first book, other than Good Night Moon, that I read cover to cover yeah. at you know probably like six to twelve months after college. Changed my life. Exactly. So it's it. I think it was written in what nineteen thirty six, I believe. Something. Like um, it's it's such an old book, but it's so incredibly meaningful. Um, I, for me, it helped with my personal money mindset. And if you're also looking to, to fill out that career coaching and development sheet, one thing that was really hard for me is thinking beyond the quota. I know it sounds, I'm, I, I preach like everyone should list their crazy aspirational goals. It is actually hard when you sit down and you're like, well, am I allowed to have these things? Am I allowed to dream this big? So this book will really help you. And also if you are just looking to um, to really expand your money mindset and how you think about what is possible from a financial position. This book is fantastic. I'm glad it was, it was so meaningful for you as well. Yeah. Tell me more about the money mindset. Um, yeah. So for me, I, I didn't grow up. I I mean, I, I, read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That is another classic. Um, I didn't grow up with a lot of financial literacy, And so for me, um, especially as an entrepreneur, this book is so meaningful. I think um, a lot more of us, especially as millennials, we should really be thinking about owning our careers and treating it like a business. And I think for this book is such an incredible um, way to resource to facilitate that because it teaches you how some of the, the earliest business moguls treated goals and the people around them, how they taught themselves, grew themselves, um, how they thought about money, how they thought about business. And I think if we can learn more about more of those macro themes, I know so many people are focused on habits and, you know, the things that they do every single day, which is very important. But I also think it's important to take a step back and think, what am I working towards? What is the easiest path to that? You know, is it focusing on this every day or is it thinking more long-term? So I think it's, I mean, if people read those, just the three books, like super powerful. Yeah. I mean, Think and Grow Rich for me, it was so, and how it relates to kind of that money mindset is it it, it was a little bit deeper psychologically for me, like growing up. Um, you know, let's say I'm in college, right? I was like a B student, B, B minus, like, you know, decent, get a couple A's, couple, you know, maybe C pluses. Um, and then there was like that group of kids always that was just like, oh, they're super smart. Like those are the people that you want to like, you know, sit next to in the library because they'll, you know, help you with your homework or something. And I've always thought about like, oh, those are just those people. Like, and then I'm like this and mindset kind of, teaches you the the growth mindset aspect, but the think and grow rich really just kind of dials in like, no, all those people that you think are super successful, uh, that, you know, are, are super, you know, decades and decades ago, it's like, 
And they just like worked really hard and they, you know, visualized their success and they learned these different skills and they thought big and they did A and B and C and they were super persistent. And like, it just kind of blew my mind. It's like, oh, I thought they were just like super geniuses and, you know, or were born into like rich families and, you know, just kind of had it presented on a platter for them. Like, oh, you could just like work hard and like learn some of these things. And, you know, your, your mind can like put you in a whole new direction. It was, it's crazy to like even outline that now in that I wasn't thinking that way, you know, six years ago, but it's just so, it's so crazy. Yeah. And I think um, my perspective on it was a bit different because, and honestly, that's probably why it's, it's still such an incredible book so many years later, because you can probably read it many times in your life and get something different from it. Mm -hmm. I was just starting my company when I picked it up. And so for me, it was really seeing myself as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I remember when someone suggested I start my own company, I was like, I'm not an entrepreneur. She's like, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? You are the most entrepreneurial minded person I've ever met. And I think um, tying it back to how we started the conversation, you know, the, the question, am I a good fit for sales? I think this book is one of those um, books that really debunks the sense of othering. Like I, I wouldn't be a good fit in that. I don't know if I can do this. Um, And it really breaks down what success is. And, and I, I love this book for anyone, honestly, just there's no one who doesn't apply, right? (laughs) It's whether you're, whether you're already successful in your role and you want to share that with others, you want it to get to the next level where, whether you feel like you're not really succeeding and you need some motivation and um, understanding how to um, even improve, there's something for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Is there anything that we didn't get to? I know we're getting uh, kind of short on time, but any, any last thoughts that you wanted to share? And then obviously we'll get to a point where uh, we could talk about where folks can find you and reach out to you and and learn more about uh, what you're doing with Path to Presence Club. No, I love the conversation. And I I think it's so different from many of the conversations we have. Um, I, there's always a need for how to's and um, strategies and tips and track and tactics, but I think that we need to have more conversations like these. Back to the basics, talking about the mindsets that even put you in the position to use strategies and mm-hmm. tactics. So thanks for having the conversation. We 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 go deep here. We skip over the you know the high level stuff, and I appreciate you willing to go there, allowed me to put you on the hot seat a little bit, and and sharing this because I think in the new the new age of where sales is going, you know, it's going away from the wolf of Wall Street, you know, close people at, you know, whatever rate you can to this whole new world of like, we want to be fulfilled and we want to, you know, have empathy and emotional intelligence with our customers and with our uh, coworkers and partners, everyone we come across and um, playing kind of an infinite game with them. And it's just this whole new mindset. And I think it takes a lot of people uh, to kind of push that new narrative forward. So I appreciate you uh, helping to lead the charge on that. Absolutely. Um, and so for where uh, folks can find you, um, you know, you can let me know a, a website or, or LinkedIn. I follow you and obviously we're connected on LinkedIn. I, you post some great content on there. So I, I would definitely encourage everyone uh, to go check out Megan Adder, follow her on LinkedIn, um, posting it looks like daily uh, or nearly daily, um, but where else uh, should folks connect with you? Yeah, so LinkedIn is such a great resource because it's where I post almost everything else. Um, I do also have a website where um, I have a, a small offering um, on my website, the www.path2, that's T-O, presidentsclub.com. You can find a link to book a geek out session with me. So if you're a salesperson that wants to talk about um, what your own challenges are or um, why you may not be finding meaning in your own role, I actually have some free mentoring sessions um, almost every single week. So feel free to book a a 30 minute geek out session. Um, Of course, if you're a sales leader wanting to bring more meaning to your team, you can do that as well. But LinkedIn is also a great resource um, and a great place to find me. 
That's awesome. And just a quick random tangent. Just thinking about this the other day. How amazing is LinkedIn? Right back in the day, if you wanted to meet people, you had to go like, I don't know, to like, you know, join the local country club or like rotary club or something. And now we're chatting, we're across the country, you know, um, it's, it's just wild. I know that's kind of sounds probably stupid, but to me, that just kind of blew my mind. I was thinking about that the other day. And I'm so glad you mentioned this because I have found more mentors, mentees, um, just also friends, people that I now consider almost like family that have helped me launch my business that I have never met in person. How weird is that? It's, it's very (laughs) strange dystopian, but I actually encourage also sellers who are only using it for business, not using it for their own personal goals. One quick takeaway. And actually I'm like, go on LinkedIn, find people who are doing what you want to be doing, who Mm. have a very similar mindset, seem to be you know, working towards similar goals and ask them for 30 minutes of their time. Say, Hey, these are some things I'm focused on. Saw that you are really experienced in this area. Could I, could I snag a virtual coffee with you? It is so easy. And so many people are open to it. And I'm, I'm very blessed for what it's brought to my community personally. Totally. Yeah. I want to be you in 10 years. Can we talk for 20 minutes? Yes. You know, tell me how to get there. It's amazing. Um, Megan, this is a blast. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on everyone. Definitely again, go check her out on LinkedIn, check out path to presenceclub.com as well. All right. Thank you everyone so much for checking out that podcast. Uh, especially if you're in the middle of cleaning the dishes, mowing the lawn, uh, you know, taking a nap, whatever it is that you're doing multitasking while you're listening to this, I appreciate you again. Shout out to gong shout out to postal. Uh, it's the last month of the quarter. Let's get after it, people. And please uh, hit me up on social media. I'm Tommy Tahoe everywhere. Uh, Tom Alamo on LinkedIn. And uh, review this podcast. Subscribe. Uh, show some love. Peace.